Hello everybody and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. Today on the podcast, it's just me, Brian Campion and Chris O'Reilly. Alex is away, busy with work and he'll be joining us back, I'm sure, for the next podcast. But it's just the two of us today and we have a very, very special guest in Vesprem Handball's Yahya Omar joining us for a very, very interesting, insightful and easygoing interview. I think it's going to be almost on 40 minutes, so you don't want to miss that. And I think, Chris, should we just jump straight into that? Yeah, let's jump into it. I'm just going to say, right, uh, I met him in January at the, the final weekend of the Euro. And what he was like then is exactly what he's like in the in the interview as well. He's just so easygoing, so engaging. He He's a bit of a handball nerd as well, like a self-confessed one. That comes across and uh, I think you're all going to enjoy it. So let's listen to Yahia. Hey man. Hello, Yaya. How are you? I'm I'm good, I'm good. Everything is fine. How are you? Good, good. We'll jump straight into it, shall we? Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I think we'll uh, we'll go back to really early days. Um we what we were talking about it before we, we were spoke to you today and we were thinking it'd be nice to hear about your really, really early days playing handball and when you grew up in Egypt and what it's like to grow up in Egypt playing handball. Where can I start? I played, actually, uh, my father played handball, and uh, this was uh, the main reason why I played. Um, he, he actually didn't want me to play so much. He wasn't pushing me towards it, but uh, he made me go one day, and I, I, I went, and I just, it just clicked, you know. Uh, I was playing before uh, a lot of individual sports, and, and it was a little bit boring for me. I, I like interaction. I like, I was a kid that likes people, you know, so... I wanted to be around uh, this feeling of having a team around you and and um, sharing this experience. So after the first day, just I I told him it's, I'm here. You know, it's, this is for me. Um, and uh, I started actually playing uh, not in in Zamalek, not in uh, a big team. I played in a team called the Gizira. It's my childhood club where the guys there are from same neighborhood, same community. I was just playing for, for fun, you know, for, for just being around some friends, being uh, around the, the people that you love. And as, it, as I got older, uh, maybe starting, I don't know, 14, 15, I started uh, being, being, being good, being, playing better. And then they started making this youth national team and I started taking it serious. I wanted to to prove that I would be there. I was not chosen in the first maybe six months or, or, or one year maybe. And I was all I was thinking that I would be there. I, this I, I'm going there. I just need time. I just need them to see me. And I was playing the best I can. I, I was just competitive. I wanted to 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 show that I'm as good as the rest of them. And then uh, when I went there, I started taking handball serious, you know, that 
it maybe can become a career it can become more than just a hobby it can be maybe my life even it was just uh, in the beginning i was thinking it just maybe as a hobby but i i liked it because i was um, when i wanted to go take my head away from school i would i would just go to the court and play and i could play just for three, four hours i wouldn't care just when i was there with with my friends who, with the ball i just forgot about everything else so that was the main reason as i was playing and then after when i started going to this youth national team everything started being more serious from them and you say there like there was a certain time that you realized that you could make a, a life out of it and, and become a professional do you remember any particular moment there? Was it a, a tournament that you played or, or when you started, uh, let's say, performing very well with the junior national team that you thought, or maybe it's somebody told you that, you know, this is something you have to really take seriously here. You have big potential. Uh, it's it's not one moment. It's a lot of moments. But uh, I think you take the, the advice and actually the compliments that you can take from people around you and uh, for example, the the first team coach who was in my my childhood club, he was always telling me stuff like, "You're gonna be so good. You're going to play in Europe. You're gonna be so good." And I wasn't th- thinking. I was thinking just, okay, he's saying I'm good. I don't know if I can be that good, but it's good. It's good that you think I'm good, and I'm trying to 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 do my thing. And then as you go. You you think that a lot of people believe in you, and and when the this coach said this, and then you go to youth national team, and the same happens there. Then uh, Zamalek want to buy me, and they took me on loan first year to 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 try out. And actually, from the first day I was there, I was just doing my my thing, and all the people around me were giving me the same compliment that you feel that you're a little bit special. It's not like you're just there and people are around you, okay, he's good. They were, you could feel that something is happening. And from, from this moment, I like this, uh, this feeling, you know, this feeling of people giving you the compliment that you can be good, that you're outstanding, that you can be better than them. So uh, from the first day I went there, they were basically my idols, you know. The, it was a lahmar there. Uh, was a lot of other guys that maybe you don't know, but for me and for the Egyptian handball community, they are legends. They they played there for twenty years. They won everything, and just to be there amongst them was uh, a sensation, you know. Just to feel this uh, vibe around. Oh, I, I'm I'm with the guys that I watch. I was watching on TV. I was. Actually, I'm I'm a fan of of the team. I'm a fan of of handball since early ages. So maybe the year before when they won the African Championship, I was waiting in the airport, you know, with the fans and, and jumping, <laughs> yeah, just uh, and they didn't know me still. And I was doing this not because I'm I'm a player. I was doing it because I, I love it. So uh, when I went there, I didn't take this sa- this same thing that. I wasn't going there as a fan. I said to myself, I'm not going to be going there taking pictures or going there saying this stuff that I'm telling you now. I never said to them. I never went to them. I told them, you're my idol as I want to play here. I was just, okay, you're good and I'm going to be good. And 
let's see I will, uh, the, the, the best defender I'm going to go against him every day in training if someone in the same position does something good I'm going to do something better uh, and I wanted to show them that I'm, I'm not here to be uh, praising you guys I'm, I'm here so you can praise me so uh, this is this is my I think my first uh, my first part where, where, where I felt that I could that that when I succeeded there, I felt that I could I can do it in in a lot of places after. So you said early early on about getting the compliments that give you a lot of confidence. Is that something you still get now from your teammates at Vesprem, or are they not complimented as much about all the superstars in the team? Actually, um, uh, yes, of course, it keeps hap- happening, and and that's what I thought when I came here. I had the same doubts in my mind. Uh, everyone was saying to me, "It's amazing that you signed for Vesprem." And it's a great team. And, you know, even if you don't succeed there, you can go to any club after in Europe. But I was thinking, I did it before. When I went to, to Zamalek, it was a huge jump for me. And the people around me were so big of a stars there. And uh, it's basic. I'm going to do the same thing again because I'm, I'm now better. And I played. And I already played for national team. And I played against all the big teams and I could perform not okay when I was young of course I could not perform for 60 minutes but at least for 10 minutes I can make a show you know I can make I can my, my shots can go in my fintas can pass through I was doing good so I said I would go there with the same mentality that I went to to the first team to the national team to Zamalek and everything and I said I'm gonna do it again and and when I came here the same thing happened I I remember uh, of course, till now it's it still happens when you do, but it's not the same when you when first year because when I came first year, no one knew me. They were thinking, okay, we signed one guy from Egypt. He's young. No one knows nothing about him. How good can he be? This is the, it's it's normal. You would think, okay, if I'm the same, if I'm playing in Egypt and we sign one guy from not so big a country and he comes. Okay, how good can he be? How big character can he show? And when I went there from from first uh, p- preparation, I was I wanted to earn the respect of them, and this is the easiest way to to be their friend, to to gain the the respect and the confidence from them is to be better than them in training. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I remember actually uh, we were in preparation. And uh, we were making some trainings, games, something like this. And uh, I did some some couple of good actions. And then I was changing. I was outside. I was sitting next to Lekai. And and he told me, I was like uh, taking my breath, catching my breath. And he told me, hey, man, calm down. You're good. We know, you know. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just so focused, you know. <laughs> so this kept happening, you know, and and as I did it in training, I, I wanted to do it in games, and because in the big games, especially, this is where you you gain their confidence because big. I think like this, and and of course, all of them think like this. When anyone can play good in training, anyone can play good in in um, preparation games. But in, when it comes to Champions League, when you play against uh, Kiel, against Barcelona, against these teams, this this is where the big players are, are seen. Uh, you can anyone can make a, a good game without pressure, 
a good game with with the team that that you, you know that the team knows that we can beat. But in these games that everyone is not sure that even the stars are not sure that they can be really good tonight. When you play good there, this is where it starts. And we had the first uh, game. It was Kiel home, <clears throat> and I was in af- uh, for. Uh, the last maybe 10 minutes in the first half and I scored two goals and then I was in for the last uh, maybe 15 minutes of the game and I scored five more and it was uh, Landinen goal and and everyone also was okay they knew that I had the quality in training and they were seeing everything but they didn't know do I have the character to show it in a game like this would I be scared because this is normal when you're young everyone expects that you are scared when you play these big games, when you play against the big names, the, the these players, you're a little bit shy, you know, and I didn't want to look like this. So I went full in and after this game, I think from the first day, I, I just wanted to earn the respect and this was really important for me to to show in front of the teams like this that we play. All of those things you mentioned there about coming into a new club, it seems like at Vesprem, it's almost magnified because the club is very special in its own way with the history and also with the, let's say, the pressure that, that comes from the outside, from the, from the people who run the club and from all of Hungary, really. If you were to describe what it is like to play for Vesprem to somebody who has no idea what the club is like, how would you summarize it? I think uh, if I would say something, it would be like, the, the the greater the the club, the greater the fans, the the more the interest they have, the higher the responsibility, the higher the pressure, and that's just it. So, some other teams are really big, but they don't have this fan base like we have. We have full hall every time, and this comes with a price. You know, they are gonna be here to help you. They're gonna here to when you're good, you're gonna feel like you're the king and you're gonna be on top of the world. But when you're bad. You're gonna feel like it's hell, you know, because everyone's gonna be mad at you. Everyone's gonna want more from you, and this is normal. And I think uh, this is the most important for for players that for big players that want to be stars that they have to learn is to to handle the pressure because you are gonna be good at sometimes. Even if you're the best, you're gonna be good at sometimes, and you're gonna be bad at sometimes, and you're gonna have ups and downs, but when you have the downs and when you have this low confidence periods, you have to gain it from your friends, your coaches, your this. So I think as much as it it is hard to play here and it's really hard to play with the pressure, with the fans, with this uh, mentality of not losing one game, even if if it's Champions League, even if it's a, uh, against the best teams uh, like you, they don't want, they never want to lose, but. The, the club actually has been really good with me, especially, and with, with most of the guys here, that th- they were always behind me. They were always uh, giving giving me confidence. And the players also, you know, it, it's not like uh, when they see you down, they let you go. It was always uh, another set of compliments that uh, don't don't have pressure on yourself. Come, come back. We know you're going to be good. And that's what what we try to do here, even with each other, because maybe not all of the people in as fans or in the handball world know, but these uh, players, the stars, the superstars, 
they have feelings you know they have uh, they have ups and downs they, they also can feel uh, sometimes that they don't have confidence they don't feel that the game the game is going right and they don't feel that it's it, that, that at this time that they can perform that like they always do but that's how we come back we come back with each other because people from outside even fans are going to be supportive but at at times you if if the team and the guys around you don't make you feel this uh, support uh, you're going to feel be, feel like you're alone because uh, the pressure is high and the pressure is really big here and that's the best thing that when you win in the end you feel so much better because it's a big relief and uh, i actually till now whenever we won Uh, at the end it's you're you're crying and you're so emotional after not because of this feeling of triumph or feeling that you, that you're you're a winner it's actually the feeling of relief that you, that it's ended you know that all of these sacrifices you do all of the plays that you're doing all the training that you do every day uh, it's finished now and you, you won in the end so this is the best actually For people on the outside and who, for neutral fans looking at Vesprem, I think one of the things that comes into people's mind is there's a lot of pressure on the, as you said, as you alluded to there, on the players from the fans and from the club itself. And the last time I was in Vesprem, I was talking to some of the staff members, some of the background staff, and they're saying to me, it's only maybe in the last year or so that within the team itself, that the, the team has decided to not put so much pressure maybe on themselves. And I'm just wondering, my question to you would be, having a, a coach like Momo Ilic in there, who's been through the ringer for years with Vestrem, he knows what it's like to work with all the fans and the club and the pressure that's put on. Does that maybe help you? Do you have someone who's in there who's been there and worn the jacket with Vestrem? He knows the pressure, this thing, and he's there maybe to alleviate that a little bit and say, look, it's not the end of the world if you lose a few games. Yeah, of course. Uh, he's been actually really good with us this season. And uh, as a coach and as a player who played here, he knows everything around the club. And, and the best thing that because of his, the age gap is not so big, he's close to us and he listens. He listens to us. He listens to the captains and he feels uh, everything. He, he, I think he knows us more now, even into the season that he did in the beginning. But every time he, he sees something, he tries to change it every time he's... Uh, he sees some of us uh, feeling uh, pressure, feeling down. He tries to fix it. And uh, this is the most important because uh, technically handball is, is, is hard in, in the game, but all of this can be fixed by training, by, by, by practicing everything. But th this feeling, if you don't feel good in the team, if you don't good, feel good in the city, Uh, you're gonna be just there, but not there. You know, you're gonna be there, but your head isn't following. You cannot. The handball is full is full of risks. You play the 60 minutes, whichever shoot you take, whichever action you play. If you don't have confidence to go through with it, you're always gonna make a mistake. And if you're afraid to make a mistake, then you're not gonna do something good. So uh, he's helping with this so much, and he helped me a lot actually. This season, uh, from the beginning, I had really uh, good moments, and also I had some bad moments. Uh, I've been, I was in the Olympics in the summer. I didn't have summer, uh, and uh, we started the preparation early because of the, the COVID the year before. So I was like 
14, 15 months straight without rest. So uh, it, it's been hard for me, but he was there and, and he helped me pass through the days that I was feeling really tired, feeling uncomfortable, feeling uh, down for the moments. And I think uh, this is really good when 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 you have this uh, and we when he takes this pressure off, off of us. And also this pressure is taken off of us a little bit because we lost last year. So uh, winning means more this year. You know? It means more than just being still the winner. It's gaining it back. So the motivation is higher. Uh, the the team is, is, is together more because they felt how it was when we lost and they don't want to feel this again. So everyone's giving 100% and he's with us. And uh, I hope uh, this season that we can, can, can bring back the title and go to final four and, and uh, show, show what West Ham has again. And you mentioned there about going 100%. We, we met a few months ago at the, uh, the Euro in Hungary and uh, you and Andy Nielsen were talking about just how much you beat the crap out of each other in, in training all of the time uh, and, and how intense it is. With the, the kind of squad you have and the, the personalities in the squad as well, I, I find it fascinating. And you th- think about people like Nenadic and Mahe and yourself and pretty much everyone in the squad has a big reputation, big personalities on the court, a lot of confidence as well. But the personalities seem to mix very well this year in particular what makes it work so well this group we train like crazy you can't imagine really uh, i don't think no one trains like this because in the training itself we're so playing with so much intensity it's sometimes uh, harder than than some games Uh, this this thing you mentioned about having a lot of big players stars characters these characters also have the same motivation about not only being as a team good, but being the best. So uh, this gives you extra motivation. When you see you're not competing only against the other team that you want to win, you're also competing with your teammates. When you see the left back is scoring three in a row, okay, I'm, I'm going to do something. Now play for me. I'm going to do something. I want to do something. I want to show also that I'm good. At the time, today I'm here. I'm, I'm pushing like him. I'm... So this gives so so much for for, for us that uh, uh, that even sometimes it's too much, you know. Sometimes it, it becomes fights. It's like people take it so much on themselves that you find that uh, both teams are fighting, fighting. So this stuff is is really important for the team. I feel I feel that when you're so competitive and when you feel that you want to win all the time. When when we come to the game, we're just doing the normal. You know, we're, we're not. Uh, we were not just practicing and see. We are competing every day. So when we come to the games, we're doing the same thing all over. We're competing with each other. We're competing with the team. And uh, the most important thing this year that we're we're letting our egos go in the game. You're not just looking to be to to be the best yourself, but you want to make the, the the guys around you be better. We are we are going more outside together as a team. We are we are we are actually feeling more friends than before, and that makes you actually it feels amazing because you you don't feel that you're helping your teammate or you're not winning. It's not a job. It's it's your life. You when I when I'm there. With, for example, Makeda, we're we're so good friends. 
And when I go outside and he goes in and he scores, I'm really happy for him. Uh, when he plays good, I'm not like feeling, okay, he's playing good and uh, we're in the same position. No, I'm feeling that, wow, man, I'm happy for you. Play good, play good. I want you to play good. And, and that's just how, how it should be in, in this collective sports that you're happy for your teammates as much as happy that you would be for yourself. That when someone else scores or actually when even someone else is having a, a really good week, you want him to have a better week. You want to push him that he can be the best today. If it's not your day, then make him his day better. So uh, this is uh, really a key in, in, in how we are playing this season. And we're, you could find in all of the games it's not only one guy who's performing or two guys. Uh, every day we have a new MVP, a new guy who's who, who's making a, a, an amazing game. Even for the goalkeepers, you would see in Champions League, uh, Rodrigo was playing amazing. He was saving everything. And now in the in the last two games against Seged, when we won the cup and we won against uh, them at home at uh, away at their arena. Uh, Tupara was was amazing, and he he said he blocked everything. He he was basically giving us the match alone. So this is amazing to have this uh, these players who whichever guy you put in is he's ready and hungry as the the one who was inside before. Chris talked there about the different personalities and maybe the different roles they have in the team. If you were to kind of verbalize the role or what you offer on the court to Vesper, what, what is it exactly? If you had to put it into a few words, what you give to the team? My role is, is, is different. Uh, I'm, I can be whichever the team needs today. I, I, I like to score. I'm a scorer. I'm a shooter. But I'm also, uh, I can be a playmaker. I have no problem of, of going one game and uh, scoring one, two goals and assisting 10. I have no problem playing for the team, playing for the guys around me. And I did it I did it a lot of, of games, which I wasn't shooting a lot, but I was passing everything. And I had some games that I needed to, to be the one who was scoring and I was doing it. So I'm, feel, I'm, I'm feeling this, this space which, which we need. Uh, I'm, I try to be the, the link that, that goes everywhere. I want to I want to connect my right wing to 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 if he's having a good game to to be the pivots to to be passing to them to make to be making good actions for for uh, for for the guys in left back and centre back for uh, for Mahe Lekai Nenadic Lauge Ligetvari whoever is there I would want them to to have good actions that they can shoot good actions that they can score. Even if I'm not shooting, I'm going with the same intensity that I'm shooting. So everyone would go jump with me and let them score freely. So I don't, I'm probably this, at this specific time, I'm shooting more than usual because we don't have as much shooters as before. So I'm taking responsibility to be the guy that shoots from, from the nine meter, from 10 meter. And when the games needs to be one against one, I'm I can be the guy who finishes. Also, I can be the guy who crosses. Uh, it just depends on on which style the the defense against us is, is trying to play. You mentioned there the the Seged game, the couple of Seged games, the cup final, and that big away win. I want to ask you about that away win as well. Going to the the new arena in Seged, a, a packed crowd, and getting a victory. 
Uh, first of all, what did you what did you feel about that game? Uh, and it also seems in general that the team is is really hitting form at the right time of the season because you've had your ups and downs this year, but the last month or so things really seem to be clicking. The derby is always derby. Uh, this game uh, is always emotional, uh, and it's it's more than any any team you would play against, even in Champions League, because it means for the fans much more. It means for the club much more and it's uh, and so for us it, it means a lot more to, to win uh, even if the game is friendly you know it's uh, it's like this so when we played there we actually has, have just won the cup but we didn't want to make the same mistake that we did last year when we won the cup everything after started falling and, and maybe we, we were celebrating uh, a lot the cup but this time it was different we won the cup we were happy that we won the cup but it's it's not our goal. Our goal is still on, and May is really important for us as a month, as a whole, because it has a quarterfinal, it has this game, and uh, this game was our first to play in the new arena there, and we just went with the same mentality uh, with in the in the Cooper game because uh, actually this game doesn't matter so much uh, as calculations because anyways we play against them. Home and away in uh, in the last uh, playoff uh, for the league final, so basically it means whoever wins will play the first game uh, uh, away that he can play home the next game. So ca- as calculations, it doesn't mean nothing. But for us, it meant so much more that we can st- we can dominate now instead of g- giving them a lot of. Uh, Emotional uh, emotions and hope that that they can win again in the league. That they can win against us in the, in the coming game. So I think I hope that that we can they can win the league this year. But uh, this this uh, game was essential for us that we can be sure that we can win at the home court uh, uh, in the first game that we play there. To just uh, put it in words. Your next big challenge then next week is going to be the game against Alborg. If you're going to look at the two styles of the handball that you both play, I think they're probably quite different. What would you say, just commenting on the what, what both teams offer in terms of style of handball? They're playing amazing. They're, they have uh, mostly a young team and they're running so much. They're physical and they're putting so much effort. Uh, we're playing with more experienced players. So we have a different approach to the game. I don't have a lot of technical stuff to, to say because in the end all of us will give the same energy and, and, and the same and the same emotion to towards this game because this game means so much to go to go to, to the final four, especially for us that we've been away the last year. And it, it hurt so much to lose last time from Nantes there. And we played we played a really bad game away this this time this last year and we don't want to make the same mistake fortunately that we have this game home and we have it home and we want to take advantage of this we want to take advantage of playing at, at our home court that we can show uh, our fans and and we 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 actually want to to remain undefeated at home we didn't lose one game this year at home and we want to make the best of it the best 60 minutes that we can so we can have a good chance of qualifying we know how they play we we start, we we're going to start studying how they play from from next week and 
there's nothing much to to say about uh, about it. It's just uh, gonna be a fight, and whoever is smarter and whoever wants it more is gonna get. You said there that you prefer to play the first leg at home. And I, well, we actually didn't prefer. This is the the case, you know. This is what happened that we we would play the first game at home, and we want to use it for our favor. Yeah, that uh, last time we played the first game away and we didn't feel the same energy. When we lost three, four goals, it was hard to to get them back at home. They were already feeling better, playing better, and this cost us a lot. So I think this time being at home uh, might not be good because you play the next game away, but it's good that you start off with the big energy. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that a lot as well. We saw with Seged losing uh, to Flensburg in the last round. You know, they even though it was it wasn't a huge gap, the fact that it was a low scoring game in the first leg meant that it was difficult because of the away goals rule as well to to turn it around. But uh, yeah, I mean, in, in that case, you can you can try and make the most of it, and it's just interesting because we you consider the playing the home leg in the second uh, leg being an advantage, but in this case, you don't care so much. Yeah, uh, in, in in handball, it's uh, it's not like football, you know. It's not like one, two, three goals. It, it depends on how the game is going. You just want to win the first game, and you want to play the best you can the first game because it gives you an advantage. You feel that you go to the second game, you already have three goals plus. You have two goals plus, and this uh, edge that you have. Is already giving you a little bit of confidence that when the game is equal, you're winning. And uh, we have to make the most of it. You have to, uh, to to take the advantage that we play at home in the first leg, and to play that the maximum that we can, that we can get a positive attitude, a positive score, a positive everything um, that we can take from the city here and from the arena, from the guys that uh, are going to be around us watching. When you get into the, into the big games of the season, though, I mean, pretty much all the games left are just the biggest games of the whole season. What are you like in preparation for these big games? Are you kind of the person that wants to just relax and not even think about handball, or is you are you visualizing what you're going to be doing, or are you just listening to music and yourself pumped up? What kind of what, what what's your kind of uh, normal pre big match kind of routine? I'm uh, I'm visualizing from from one day before, and from one day before I'm. I'm just dreaming about the game. It doesn't have to be something specific that I'm not uh, thinking too much about every action, how I'm going to do it. It's just dreaming about uh, how we're going to shoot, how we're going to score. If you want to try something new and uh, who's going to be against you, who are you going to be defending against? And when you think about this stuff, it, it, when you come to the game, it, you're just ready for it. You, you look and you don't feel that. It, you feel that it's familiar, that you saw it before. But this is just one day before and in the morning. But after we finish the video in the morning and we go to lunch, I go to nap and uh, I wake up uh, in a good mood. And I'm not thinking about uh, handball so much. You know? I'm, I'm trying to let loose a little bit, listen to some music, uh, pray a little bit uh, that I feel comfortable uh, and call my family, uh, ask them to, just to, to pray for me, to, to support me. And uh, I go to the game. Some players, for example, would want to be more focused in the locker room. Uh, I would probably joke around a little bit. I have no problem doing this before the game. It it makes me feel with less pressure. And I like being around the guys that have the same approach, that uh, 
we can be together, we say something, we joke about it. And when we go to the warm up, it's then completely different. You just close your mind and you start getting ready for the game. And as, as soon as the game starts, first two, three actions, you're locked in. You know? Is there a guy in the team that you know you shouldn't go near to joke with? I think uh, it's different, but uh, maybe uh, Nenadic, uh, when we start uh, this warm-up and this area, when they go to the locker room, he doesn't speak so much. You know? yeah. He's on the own and he, he's focused, doesn't speak so much. Maybe say something easy, but doesn't like to speak so much. I'm uh, mostly, when we're warming up, I'm mostly with, with Makeda and the right back. We we are easy. We we talk with each other. We joke. It's no problem. Andreas uh, is the same. Gasper Marguch is the same. Rodrigo also is the same. We we just we have no problem throwing the jokes around, being easy, just talking about the game. We don't like to be fully like focused that you don't speak with anyone, and uh, that just makes me feel better. You know, okay, guys, it's a game now. We're just going to look around what's happening in the court and we do our thing. You've been brilliant, Yahia, and we don't want to hold you too much longer. It's already been, I think, almost 40 minutes and uh, we're very grateful for that. I just want to ask you, uh, before we let you go today, a bit about the Egyptian wave of players to Europe. I think you've led this new generation of players coming over and uh, Yahia Eldara is joining Vesprem next season more Egyptians are going to Europe in the next year or two uh, what kind of impact do you think this will have on the national team which already is really knocking on the door for getting medals at the world level and also interest in the sport back at home I'm so happy about this thing especially uh, I think it it, begin, it began with with Sanad when he went uh, actually when he went he went to Komlo if uh, I probably no one knows it was one team in Hungary and he didn't have a good offer. He didn't have a good life, but he just wanted to try this European experience. And uh, he led on the way that that we can we can travel and we can go to Europe. And when I had this uh, chance to go to a big club directly, I, I took it. And I'm happy that that not only th- that all the national team players and the guys uh, the national team want to to come to Europe and want to uh, play here, but that the clubs also started to having confidence in these guys because before maybe all the teams saw us as maybe you have some quality maybe you have some good players but will they adapt do, we, do they have the education do they have the, the same social life um, will they succeed if they came here and I was sure that when I was playing in, in especially in the first years I was uh, thinking more of, of this that I'm not only me I'm, I'm an image for my country here in, in the Champions League and in Hungary. And I wanted to show that not only I can be a good player, but I can be a, a good socially with everyone. I can be everyone's friend. I can go out with them. I, I'm, I'm basically living the same life at home. And I can, I can do it here that everyone feels comfortable with me, that they feel, uh, okay, we're linked. We, we, we see the same... Uh, we, the the guys from Egypt are basically the same like us. They're not uh, something uh, else, or they're not uh, behind, you know. And uh, I'm glad that that a lot of clubs took this incentive of, of signing Egyptians, and uh, I'm really happy with with the talents we have. 
it's actually uh, amazing that that we can have as much talents as as we have right now and all of them are doing really good and all of them are taking it as a career not as uh, as, as just a, a hobby or something they they're playing for for it to be their work every day and this is really important for us we after this wave after world championship what we did this Denmark game uh, you cannot imagine how big is it is in Egypt you know we're the, we're almost like football players now everyone is uh, is uh, giving us the respect and the popularity it's it's going the reach is going really big and this this will help us so much in in gaining this uh, this respect that we took in, in the handball community that to take it outside also helps that you feel proud of what you're doing because some other sports have done some good things but no people in 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 the street you know they don't know you they don't know how good you are so when this happens with handball it's really good for for us to feel it that people want to to see us people want to watch us and and they give us a huge respect that we can win against the, the big teams that we can be in semi final in the olympics and they they are waiting for us for much more and i think we're just scratching the surface uh, all of us uh, are 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 playing good now but we're gaining so much experience and when the rest of the players come to europe uh, you're going to i think the team's going to be ready to be that that you don't don't say that it's a surprise that egypt is here you know it's not like the the black horse in the tournament it's just it's them you know they're good and they're going to be there we know I like that as well, the scratching the surface. I think that uh, that puts it very nicely. And uh, we're looking forward to, to discovering more with you as well. And not just with the Egyptian team, but uh, you with Vesprem as well. Both Brian and I will be there watching you in the arena next week. So until then, uh, take care of yourself, Yahia. It's been a pleasure to talk and we'll have to do it again sometime soon. Thank you so much. I enjoyed uh, so much with your questions and I hope that we can uh, do do this again. Let's do it. Thank you very much to Yahia Omar. We promised it would be good, uh, insightful and very easygoing and that it was. Uh, do you have any takeaways from that before we move on? Well, I think I'm really pumped now for Egyptian handball in general now. I think uh, he really sold it to me there. So I'm excited what's to come. And also, I think just talking to him there, just excited to see what Vesprim can now do. Because I think it's a season for them where it feels like it was a, a, maybe a, a slight reset in some some regards. And they've had some mix, mixed results, but some also very good results. So you we know they can they can pull it out of the bag. And as you touched on in in, in the interview, Momentum is a huge thing at this stage of the season and their momentum is, uh, oh, they're going into the, these games now with a lot of good momentum behind them. So it's going to be, I'd imagine between them and Albert, it's going to be two very close games and uh, too hard to call for me, but I might I might just give, after that interview, give best friend the nod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's, uh, they, they have been on a brilliant run of form. And also if you consider like the the beginning of the year, so just after the Euro, they they struggled a little bit. Like they drew uh, at home to Porto, uh, lost to Barca, but then beating Kielce and then beating PSG away really kind of kicked things off for them. And uh, you know, I think we'll talk more about the Champions League 
next week, uh, so just after the first leg games, because we did preview them a little bit in a previous podcast. But Brian, both you and I will be in Vesprem, as we said at the, uh, the end of the interview for that game. So that'll be a cracker on Thursday evening. Uh, and a quick overview of the other games there. So it's Flensburg, Barca on Wednesday and PSG Kiel on Wednesday. Then Telecom Vesprem against Alborg and Montpellier against Kielce on Thursday. Uh, I think we all kind of had some very strong views for the games a couple of weeks ago. I think we'll just leave them as they are and then come back to them after the first leg because I also feel like we had strong views about the European League and saying that they'd be fairly straightforward. They weren't all very straightforward in the end. And uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. So last night, there was the second leg of the quarterfinals in the Men's European League. And uh, what did you make of it, Brian? Because you were you were on duty throughout the evening. Yeah, I mean, I think just as a tournament as a whole, I think it's been really, really, really entertaining. And some really bizarre... I mean, that game... Nexa versus Gog. There was a, there was one stage I was because you know I'm putting up clips and highlights on various different platforms. So you're you have the game on usually on mute because you're doing it by twelve different things. And I checked the score and I saw that Gog were f- four up and I was thinking God they're really pu- I've really pulled themselves back into it now. Went off, put some clips up at various places, went back to the game and then all of a sudden Nexa were were five in front and I was thinking. <laughs> God, it's an absolute, the most topsy-turvy game ever. As I thought, because, because Gog were at home as well. And I just put up a clip of their keeper, who's Matthias René Rex, and he'd saved a shot. And it was just like an amazing, uh, first of all, amazing save, but then how the crowd erupted. And I was thinking, God, they have really the wind up, wind in their sails now here. This is going to be very, very difficult for Nexe. And they were only one goal behind an aggregate. And the next thing you turn around and then they, they went on a, I think a 6-0 run or whatever it was. And yeah, just just incredible. And what a story for Nexa as well, because I mean, they've never reached these types of heights in any competition before uh, in Europe. So they're writing history. And then a team like Benfica is also writing history. So it's a very emotionally charged EHF finals that we're going to yeah. be, that we're going to see. I don't think we know where it's going to be yet. Nexa beat Gyogi, uh by five goals on aggregate. And they'd won that first leg by five. So it ended up being a 37-37 draw in that second leg, which is absolutely nuts. Benfica had a nice seven-goal win in their first leg against Garenia Valenia. Then it was a draw in the second leg in Slovenia. So they go through by seven. Uh, Cadet and Schaffhausen, they put it to Plotsk in the first game at home, but got absolutely smashed in Poland. That was a 13-goal win in the second leg and a 15-goal win overall. And then Magdeburg really turned it on in the second leg, ended up winning that only by two, but pretty much had the game wrapped up already kind of midway through the second half. And they go through uh, as the reigning champions to the final tournament with a, a five-goal win. So what do you think of the the four teams? And do you think it's well-balanced? Do you like the mix of teams that have ended up? Because I actually quite like it because I think you have the the crazy... Uh, wild dogs of of Nexa. Then you have Benfica, who I think you know were insanely disappointed being knocked out by Fivers in qualification last mm. season. And then you have Płocka, who I think you know I think could have you could make a fairly good case that they have a fairly good that they have a good chance of actually winning the whole thing. And then you have Magdeburg, of course, who be obviously the 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 big favourites. So what what do you make of the 
the mixer teams. It's interesting. I think Nexa, because you know, I've seen them some games this season where they got absolutely smashed uh, against teams like Garenia Valenia and against Savahoff, and then you're like, well, maybe they're not really up to anything. But then uh, they, they pull off results like they have in these knockout rounds. So you have to say over over the case of 60 minutes, when you have people like Halil Ganyach who you know could come up with 10, 12 goals when he's really on form, then they're always going to have a chance. Benfica and Płock, I think, I put kind of on a on a level playing field. There is like this middle bracket in that final tournament. Płock, in particular, I think that they've probably felt like well, they were the outsiders in this tournament last year because they were the only non-German team. They'll feel a lot more at home, I think, in terms of playing styles as well. And then Magdeburg, well, they're just uh, they they had another huge win, two huge wins in three days. So they go and beat Fuchs of Berlin on Sunday and then beat Nantes on Tuesday. It's uh, it's incredible what they continue to produce. Uh, they're they're going to be the favourites, I think, yeah. uh, particularly if they are at home. And then it is. Uh, but, you know, this second tier competition uh, or any final tournament in handball, anything can happen. Uh, and we've seen Magdeburg lose in the semifinals playing at home before. So, yeah, it'll be really... Really interesting to see the semi-final pairings. I think that's on Friday morning, the draw for that. And uh, I'd say everyone would want to face Nexa, but they'll probably think twice about it once they're facing them in the actual game. Uh, but besides that, it's it's really wide open. Good times. Yeah, because you feel like a team like Nexa, they don't, they don't fear anyone. They have really nothing to lose. They don't care at all. So they're going to go, go into yeah. this, John. This is, everything's just a bonus from here on out. And... Uh, as you said, with players like Yaganyuc in there, they're just, he's an absolute juggernaut. Didn't do much for Croatia during during the Euro, but mm. for Nexa, he looks like one of the best players in the world. I was really disappointed in him at the Euro. It was a pity. He was kind of a bull in a china shop. I think we talked about it. <laughs> we talked about it at the time. But it, obviously, he feels a lot more comfortable uh, among the club players, and that's understandable as well. So, I mean, he's still a young guy. Yeah, bright future for him, and he's going to want to say goodbye in the best way possible as well. Yeah, what a serious arm on him as well. I put up a clip of him oh, on on the social media. It looked like he was almost throwing a lighter ball at some stage. Like you know, the absolute whip he has. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would agree with you. Up, Magdeburg definitely are the big favourites going into that. But I just think maybe with with Potts having been there last season already. They know what it's about, and I think they're looking better this season. Do you know, this it could be a good final. I hope that is the final because they'll probably make the best final. Hey, I, I'm just happy there's four teams from four different countries in, and that's uh, I I don't know when there was that that last happened in the second tier competition in the men's side because usually it's at least two German teams, right? Yeah. I feel like uh, I should uh, I should look this up here. Let me see what the last time was. So three German teams. Last season, there were two in the final in 2019, three in 2018, three in 2017. Well, there were two French teams in 2016, two German teams in 2015. Uh, ah, there you go, 2013, 2014. And that was when Seged beat Montpellier in the final in Berlin, and Berlin beat Constanza from uh, Romania in the third place game. So it's been eight years since four teams from four different countries were in this. So, yeah, enjoy it while it lasts, I'd say. Absolutely. So we probably should talk a little bit about the 
It's the second leg of the, the, the in the women's Champions League that's going to be coming up this weekend. I'm going to be going to and the quarterfinals. Did I say quarterfinals? What did I say? No, you didn't say. Ah, it. Sorry. <laughs> yes, the quarterfinals, second leg. Just the second leg coming up. Yeah, the second leg of what, Brian? Second leg of the quarterfinals, which are coming up this weekend. I'm going to match of the week on Saturday, which will be going to Gear versus Brest, which is being set mm-hmm. up, which should be hopefully a really good game. But then again, maybe the, maybe last week was was Brest's opportunity to really stick it to to Gear draw. I don't know. Playing playing in the Audi Arena is never easy, so we'll see what they're up to. Well, the, the crazy thing about that is the last the last four times they've played now in the last two seasons, every single game has been a draw after sixty minutes. That's incredible, both in Hungary and in France. So the the only time that was an exception was uh, in the in the final four last season, the semi final where they had to decide it on penalties, and Brest won that. So Brest are well used to going and getting a draw in Hungary, and seeing as that first leg was really low scoring, twenty one twenty one. You know, yeah. 22 goals and more draw takes them through yeah. uh, for now, because we also learned that the away goals rule is g- being gotten rid of uh, for uh, from next season onwards, which uh, I think is a good idea. I think we- we'll wait for Alex. I think that's something Alex would love to talk about. Uh, uh, so we'll save that topic for him. For now, the away goals rule still stands. So, uh, yeah, I think they-, they still have a chance. These teams love to draw with each other. I think it was it. A- I can't remember if it was, it was started this season or last season, but I said that if any team's going to be uh, Gerard, it's going to be Brest. So uh, yeah. I'll stand by that if I did say that, but I can't fully remember. <laughs> <laughs> they, they technically haven't beaten them yet uh, <laughs> in 60 minutes, yeah. but a high-scoring draw will do the trick. Yeah, You can still anyway. beat them and, and go through, which is, yeah. You not beat them and still go through, which is, which is crazy. I think probably a big disappointment from the first leg would probably be Krim and their outing against... Uh, Vipers in the in the first leg, I think they probably expected with Anna Gross coming to the team and some of the other names in the team that it would have been a bit of a closer encounter. And also that was at home as well. Now they have to go to Norway. Uh, that that's a that's a they lost twenty twenty thirty two twenty five. It's not going to happen, is it? So I think they'd be no, no. Def- deflated unless it's going to be an unbelievable comeback, which I can't really see when they're when they're traveling to Norway. Gets a team like Vipers as well who uh, run. He'll run the legs off you. Yeah, I was really impressed with the Vipers team in that game. Like, uh, most of all, Bella Gulden in the centre-back position, who is is leaving at the end of the season. So a really quick stint for her because she's moving back to Sweden uh, to be close to her sister, who I think has cancer. Uh, so, But she she didn't seem to be like hitting, hitting the height she had previously uh, up until now, but she ran the game beautifully. In that first leg, and Anna Debelic on the line, she was just un- unstoppable. Nora Merck popped up with a few amazing uh, shots. Just everyone in, in the in the team that was brought in did something really well. And then you have Katrina Lunda who uh, made fifteen saves, <laughs> so just like shutting down the shop uh, when she decided to. And yeah, I mean Anna Gross scored eight goals. She had a good game, but didn't really have much support there. I, what what surprised me most about the Crim team is just how many unforced errors they made, how many balls they threw away um, or were stolen in the attack. So that that surprised me a little bit. And yeah, we were kind of uh, we were saying it, it was going to be really nervy for Vipers, but they dealt with it brilliantly. So uh, they I think have more than one foot. In the, in the final four. And of course, we only have three games. We don't have four quarterfinals because 
Mets have gone directly through because of their 10-0 win over Rostov Don. Uh, but we do then have a game which I saw last week as well. Uh, God, I've been, I'm going to all the games. I've been to all the games. CSM, Bucharesti and uh, Esberg, which in the first half wasn't a very good game, but it turned into... Well, I wouldn't say it was a very good game of handball, but it was t- it was definitely tense uh, in the second half. And then CSM kind of muscled their way back in and, and made a competition of it, which I'm glad they did. There was a bit of contention at the very end about the, the last goal, whether it was a goal or not, and the referees had to go over to the desk and then, in fact, give it, even though they said they'd given it already. So yeah. there was a bit of a, a back and forward there. But I think Esberg were clearly the, the better side, but I think CSM just made, made, it, made a scrap out of it and kind of... Uh, that's what it felt like to me anyway. It was a bit like... Let's make a fight of this and uh, give the ball to Niago and she'll uh, she'll do the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she ended up it was like nine goals from her and the next best was Eduardo Amarim with three. Uh, so a big gap there in terms of what what they actually produced. But and then the goalkeepers just didn't really do anything for them. I mean, it was pretty close to the goalkeeper battle, which neither a goalkeeping pair were that amazing. But the score was twenty six twenty five. So uh, I think there was a lot of Good defending there and some shots that were like hit the post. A lot of more missed opportunities than, than saved shots, I would say. But, uh, yeah, Esbjerg, even though they played, I think pretty much the whole game without a right wing, <laughs> did very well. It's amazing what they managed to do with such a small squad all the time. They seem to be the better team, but a one goal advantage going at home. To CSM, it's really like it's not something you're going to be resting your laurels on. You could definitely see this one go either way, particularly when you have Christina Niagu on the the team losing by a goal. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to some people in the club afterwards, and I was saying they were saying, "Look, we're fairly happy with that result today because I think we didn't really play that well, especially in the first half." And to, for it only to be a one goal game at the end after it being, what is it, nine, 12 or 12, nine at halftime, they were, they seemed relatively happy with that. And I said, and how do you feel about then the away leg? And they said, look, this group of players, they don't care where they go or who they're playing. And if you're talking about pure characters who you're going to bet on, if it turns into an absolute scrap, I think you probably have to say maybe CSM, but Gressy Brush should be the team to go for because of the low numbers. And maybe, maybe, I don't know, I just the, the vibe I'm getting off the, es- the Esper team. I think if if it if it did turn into a bit of a a scuffle, I'd probably do you know I'd probably go with the uh, the Bucharesti, the rock and roll crew. We're gonna find out this weekend. We'll we'll come back again after the first leg games in the the men's Champions League. We'll wrap up what happened over the weekend as well. Uh, anything else to, to add before we wrap it up today? Don't think so. I think we can leave it there. Will we? Oh well, before we go, just have to give a shout out to my pals on the New Zealand beach handball team on the men's team they've qualified for the world championship and the world games by beating Australia for the first time which is uh, great for them played with them a couple of years ago just before the pandemic in uh, in the Australian club championship and I know they were training really hard over the uh, over the pandemic really and it showed both the men's and women's team got uh, Got some big results. And also to our friend ABA, who uh, led the USA men's team to North American gold in the beach handball championships there. So, yeah, that's all the beach handball news for now. <laughs> we'll, save, we'll, we'll save the rest of it for the summer uh, until we get the club stuff done. But uh, until next time, everyone take care and goodbye. <laughs>